0: This week, we welcome the author of Water Magic, published by Llewellyn and written by Lilith Dorsey. Yay! Yay! A little background on our guest today. Lilith comes from a Celtic, Afro-Caribbean, and Native American spirituality. She is the editor and publisher of Ocean African Magical Quarterly, filmmaker of the documentary Bodies of Water, Voodoo Identity, and Trance, Information and the co-host of the YouTube show Witchcraft and Voodoo, among many other accomplishments and books. Lilith, it is so amazing to have you on Newsfeld today. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited we could get
1: this going on. I want to talk about everything with you two today. It's going to be fantastic.
2: So excited to have you on. I've been wanting to connect with you for such a long time, and this is thrilling for me.
0: Light from Lantern Presents. Knit a spell. I'm magical maker, Katie Rempe.
2: And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine.
0: Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting
2: and the craft.
0: We've been talking all this month about water magic, the Scorpio season, and... Who else better to have on to talk about this particular topic than Lilith, the expert. I thought we could ask first a little background about how your journey into the magical realm began. Part of my brain always wants to go back to when I was
1: four years old, they made me the Virgin Mary in the nativity play and they gave me a real baby. And I kept it quiet for two and a half hours. Cause I what? thought I was like, this is the divine feminine. I'm supposed to hold this baby and it's gonna be wonderful. So, and I did it, it still cracks me up today that that's what happened, but I felt like that was me taking my own spin on, I went to Lutheran school and things like that. And I knew there was something there, but I knew all of it wasn't for me. So mm. it allowed me to express that in a performative way, in a magical way, in a way that I thought resonated with me on a deep level, even though I was four years old. My parents named me Lilith. So I really don't think I had any other choice.
2: <laughs> that's no pressure. amazing right? that... Your parents were Lutheran
1: and named you Lilith? No, they just sent me to Lutheran school because I was growing up in Brooklyn and New York City public schools. They didn't want to subject me to that. So the Lutheran school was you could go there no matter what denomination, but they still made us go to church. So I know the Bible better than most witches, which is kind of handy see. for yeah. work and stuff. Were your parents religious? Were you
2: raised in a spiritual household? No,
1: actually, thank you for asking me this story. Nobody ever asked me this story. My mother grew up Catholic, but she pronounced all of that. We never went to church except we would go on Christmas Eve. We'd get really drunk and trashed and we'd run in for midnight mass and crack up and laugh hysterically and then run out and have more cocktails. So that's what I remember.
0: (laughs) Sounds like a good time.
1: And my dad, my dad actually was one of those original people at Stonewall. And my dad was an amazing drag queen. And so I grew up in that world, welcoming the performative and everything like that. It was fantastic.
0: Wow.
2: Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. This is so cool! I had no idea. I know. So
0: what a unique that? upbringing! I
2: want the book. My dad was a drag queen.
1: Please, When's that
2: book coming out?
1: I know. I always think I should write my autobiography. It's like the true story of Stonewall and protests and voodoo and you know murder and all this craziness. But people tell me, oh, they won't read it, and I'm like, I think they would read
0: it. I too.
2: There's an important part of queer history that needs to be told. And I think that there's perspectives, especially external perspectives that can be so helpful for many of us that are yearning for that. So I'm just here to encourage that because you had a front row seat.
1: I Maybe now that I'm like a best-selling award-winning author, I can push through with the autobiography. Okay.
2: So the spirituality was, maybe it was a little more secular or maybe more embedded.
1: Most people, our age. I grew up watching Bewitched and all these things. And I remember it having spells and potions and hiding them from everybody and mixing things up and always doing that myself. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a personal journey. I think nobody ever encouraged me because I was the latchkey generation. They just left me alone mm-hmm. and I did whatever I wanted. Yeah. And I remember it's funny now, this is a Llewellyn book, but I also have books with Wiser. I remember going into the old Wiser bookstore when I was about 11 or 12 and they wouldn't let me access the rare books because they thought I was a kid and I was going to mess him up. And I was just mm. like, screw you. I'll fucking show you. Thanks awesome. for discouraging me. Cause I'm angry <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. And again, the scene in New York city, when I was growing up in the seventies and the eighties, it was magical child. It was the beginnings of enchantments. It was all these kinds of like real first, public I think places to be a witch and Mm. that was wonderful and I'm so glad I I just wrote a piece about Margot Adler I'm so glad I had people like Margot Adler to look up to who were both activists and witches and became Mm. icons over the years and I think it resonated
2: when Lilith talks about magical child and enchantments those were shops in New York So, for people that don't know, those were really famous shops, and I think enchantments still exist, but I don't think Magical Child is there anymore. No, Magical
1: Child has not existed for a very long time. Enchantments—I actually went to when I was back in the city last month.
2: You go there, and you're like, I feel like this hasn't changed since 1972.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They just moved. Oh, Oh, they did trip to New York City in our future, (laughs) Jim. Definitely, the witch shops
2: in New York are like no other. So you identify. As Celtic, Afro-Caribbean, Native American spirituality, what was most accessible to you growing up as a person of color in New York? Was the Afro-Caribbean or was it easier to access the celtic stuff how did that all come about for you i think
1: it was probably easier to access the celtic stuff because people were open about it and talking Mm. about it again it seems no they weren't really talking about it but compared to the afro-caribbean stuff as Mm. me going in a little kid who didn't really have i mean my grandparents and my great-grandparents did it, but nobody ever talked about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You would throw salt over your shoulder, or we always had this thing where we'd sweep the money in or something at New Year's Eve. So we had these first foot, all of those kinds of customs that come along with different heritage traditions,
0: but I just thought that was
1: something you did. It wasn't Mm -hmm. that, oh, this is a religion that you study and there's things like that. So I think the Celtic was more accessible just because more had been written about it. And uh, my grandmother was Scottish and English and also a part Dish, as my mother reminds me. So that part of me was always something that I did know at least part of the history about, if not the magical side of things. So that, yeah. that fascinated me and I wanted to
2: know more. Wow. Yeah. And then you started to embrace the Afro-Caribbean after yeah. that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, my best friend and I, we had like our own little two-person coven when I was in high school. It was ridiculous. Cause nobody liked us. It totally was like the crap, right?
2: I love um,
1: it. Those nobody weird liked girls. Us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we were going to do spells about it. But She went on to run one of the largest covens in New York City, and I just kept on doing my own solitary thing and joining in and learning. By the time I was a senior in college, I already had my first daughter, Aria, when I was like, wait a minute, I want her to be proud of her african American heritage. I want her to know that she's a black woman and that's okay. And that's something that's strong. And back then she was born in 90. She's going to get mad at me for giving away her age. But (laughs) back then it was no drumming at events. And it was almost like footloose. Like we had (laughs) such restrictions on our spirituality and it was made me really angry. One of my degrees is in anthropology and I had an anthropology teacher tell me there's no such thing as magic in the modern world in the United States. And I was like, you're an idiot. I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's right about when I first met my priestess, Miriam, who has a temple here in New Orleans where I live now, the Voodoo Spiritual Temple. And I've been with her for 29 years. So I started studying with her over time. I went on and also met a Haitian, Gromambo Bonnie Devlin, who a lot of people know as a musician. She's got a lot of music out there. She's no longer with us, but I initiated in Haitian Vodou through her. And I also initiated in La Regula Kumi a.k.a. Santeria, with my priestess, Oshun Lakari Aleye, who's also no longer with us, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. It really felt like family. All my godmothers, the first time I met them, it really felt like family. And a lot of my upbringing was full of trauma and stress and all of that kind of stuff. So the fact that I could have spiritual teachers that really welcomed me and nurtured me, I think was totally invaluable. And uh, for about 15, 16 years now, I've had my own spiritual house. We're called the House of Mama Brigitte. And I have about maybe 10 active members. So that's nice to be able to turn around and do that for the next mm-hmm. generation. They call it Sankofa giving back. Yeah. That's always been really important to me to give back to the community.
2: So I see that you did this
1: documentary,
2: Bodies of Water, Voodoo Identity and Transformation, Trans. Trance Formation, T R A N C E Formation. I wonder if that predated your book, Water Magic. And so can you talk to us a little bit about your relationship with physical water, with spiritual water, with the idea of emotions and magic and how that appealed to you?
1: It never really occurred to me because I'm an Aries with a Libra moon and a Libra rising. So (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. So I just, I never really thought about water. The documentary, it was called Bodies of Water. I shot it between 2003 and 2004 in Brooklyn and in New Orleans. So for those of you math-wise, that predated Katrina. And it was part of my grad work at NYU. And I'd really gone back to grad school because I wanted to make a film about Priestess Miriam. I wanted to make a film about voodoo and all the African traditional religions based from a filmmaker that was actually in the tradition. Because at the time, there were so many people from the outside, we're going to tell you what your religion is. And we still see that today, unfortunately. But I wanted to have access to all the NYU equipment. My favorite story is we lost the $3,000 tripod at the airport on the way back. and I'm, I apologize to all the NYU students I'm the reason they can't take equipment out of state anymore they did oh, find no. it eventually there was much magic done and they did find it eventually at JFK but oh wow um, yeah yeah it was crazy but just through talking to them I really talking out when I what I wanted to make the documentary about I realized that For me, the connection really was influenced by the water. I grew up in New York City, right next to the Verrazano Bridge, which one of my priest friends reminded me is right where the river goes out to meet the ocean. So it's like this Oshun-Yemaya plate, this place that has all that sacred energy and is right next to the water. And everybody says the character of New Orleans is shaped by the water. It's below sea level. We're called the Crescent City because the Mississippi makes these crescents as it snakes around the city. So there's this total connection to the water. And I started thinking about it. Our bodies are mostly water, our brains and our hearts are an even higher percentage of water. So even if we don't identify with water or think of ourselves as water people, we are water. We're literally mostly water. So we better get right with it, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Visually too. I think that shooting the documentary, I make experimental films, again, not something a lot of people do. But I think that shooting the water and being able to have that transformation, that's why I called it transformation, just by watching the screen and hearing the sounds and things like that, I thought that using water as an element to tell the story was something that would be really effective. And uh, that was what, 2003, 2004. So then fast Forward to this, Water Magic, which came out last year. So that's many years later. And I was approached by Heather Green, my editor at Llewellyn and she wanted to do an elemental series and she wanted it to start with me and water was going to be the first because they were releasing them according to the seasons or element something like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) water was supposed to be first that's they told me and it was fun because I got to use all my anthropology knowledge I really approached it like uh, this is a cross-cultural look at water from all the different areas in every way shape form permutation and it was a lot of fun it really was I remember once I was in New York and I'm writing about water birds and everything. And somebody gets on the elevator at the downtown mall in Brooklyn, where the movie theater is with a stuffed heron. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I got in the elevator with me while I was writing about water
0: birds. This is too crazy. Water came to meet me. I love it when that kind of stuff happens. Right. (laughs) After writing that book, how did that change you as a magical practitioner? It was funny because you came out right in the middle of a pandemic.
1: So I think before I wrote it, I was like, okay, I'm gonna finish this and I'm gonna take all these pilgrimages all over the world to see these fantastic, amazing sites. And uh, no, I was really just at home. I moved during the pandemic. And the first couple of times I talked about this book, my yard would flood. So it would be like, oh, okay, I need a boat. I guess I need a bigger (laughs) boat is really what (laughs) the story is. It really allowed me to start thinking of, again, like I said, about the internal water, about the fact that we all have water in our lives. I love talking about tap water as the spirit of place, because that Mm. snakes underneath wherever it comes from its natural source and ends up in your home. So it's like it picks up all that energy all the way along and gets to you. So it has exactly what you need and using that as a magical component when we can't necessarily go to, again, I was ready to go to bed. I was ready to go to Mexico. I was going to go all over the world, but Mm. that didn't happen. So I had to reinvent how I was going to connect to water and part of a lot of that time for me was about, okay, what are the benefits? There's a lot of things that are not benefits of this time, but what are the things that are benefits in this moment that I can just celebrate?
0: That's a great outlook, not just for that particular time, but for any time try sure. to see the opportunities that's really inspiring.
2: And I love how this book is really a resource but it's like a storybook too. So it's organized for folks who haven't seen it yet. I love how you bring that ethnographic, perspective in and you you start with like water throughout time but then each of the chapters is like water and the divine mm-hmm. water and sacred sites water in magic water with herbs and botanicals mm-hmm. and so it's water in the perspective of these other aspects mm-hmm. and Then there's these listings and these little entries that you can read about. It's Mm. such a great reference. The other thing that I really appreciate is the washes that you have these recipes for washes, at least for folks that are practicing a lot more of the like Wicca, I think we don't get a lot of the folk magic remedies or recipes a lot of times, and I think those are really interesting to include. So there are actual recipes and spells in here too. Isn't yeah. Really cool. I try
1: to do that. Both of those things I try to do with all my books. I try to have it be, yes, you could read it a cover like a storybook, or you could just go, oh, I need this one thing. Let me pick this one thing out of it in this moment, because that's what I'm working on right now. And the washes... I always feel like you're cleaning anyway, like you've got to get in the shower, you've got to get in the bathtub, you've got Mm -hmm. to mop your floor. Why not make that a magical experience in addition to one that's just part of cleaning your home? And for me, when I add those botanicals or essential oils or something like that, It lifts all boats, right? Like it just makes everything rise to the occasion and it makes it that much more pleasurable, that much more magical, that much more effective, really. So many of these things that we use, I did a workshop on magical cleansing the other day. So many of these things that we use for cleansing also, you know, Keep away bugs, keep away fungus and virus and all this other stuff. So it's, oh, this has two purposes, the spiritual and also the actual mundane scientific purpose that it's going to be used for. And I should utilize both of those to be the most effective person I can be.
0: Ah. Yes. You are speaking Jim's language. We constantly talk about living a magical lifestyle and how everything mundane can have magic in it with the right intent. And so, yeah, Yeah. you're just reinstating that for us once again which is great (laughs) definitely another part that i really enjoyed about the book was that it had variations of water on it like it's very easy just to remember like water oh a cup of water a stream a river but like fog mist things that aren't necessarily just literal water because i can think of things very literally sometimes i need help breaking out of that.
1: I'm glad you enjoyed that because again, I'm not necessarily one of those people that's going to sit there praying to the garbage. That's for other people <laughs> to do. But <laughs> there's enough things that aren't the garbage that we can expand our own magical life to and just recognize the beauty of it.
2: Well, I was just reading the Seattle Times. There's an article about the five distinct types of rain that Seattle receives. And I thought about how I think the Inuit people have several different names for snow and Mm -hmm. we literally have the meteorologist like the paper talking about five different categories of rain it's also really funny that whenever i visit new orleans people are always oh you live in seattle it rains there all the time and they're worried about it but if people thought that it rains all the time in seattle in the same way that it rains in new orleans i would understand why they would think it was horrible because when it rains in new orleans you can't go anywhere it's like buckets
0: the wall of water It
1: is. It's like a tropical downpour. It just comes down in sheets and everything floods because even despite all these hurricanes, our drainage system is still crap. I had a guest here that I wanted to go and I knew it was going to rain. I was like, you better go now. Go to the airport now before you get stuck. Come on, leave, call the car. <laughs> you're not missing this flight. You're not getting stuck here for three hours. Cause you tell me you're too stupid to know that it floods. Like I'm here to tell you now that it floods and you got to go.
2: But being from New York, you've experienced the autumn or the springtime drizzle for weeks, like we have yes. in Seattle, where it just drizzles or mists. Rarely do we get storms that dump buckets.
1: That's funny you say it just drizzles too, because you now I did a semester in London and my daughter did a semester in London and England. And they, again, that's the rainy city, right? But its it's not really rainy to us.
2: Seattle's weather is almost identical to London.
0: It's just Mm -hmm. damp. You walk right through it. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about crafting with water.
2: Every year, people have trouble finding the right gift for somebody. Does it fit? Is it something they have to dust or that they're going to re-gift? One of the best gifts you can give somebody this holiday season is the gift of an experience. You can give somebody the gift of a palm reading or a tarot reading from me. James Divine. You can purchase gift certificates at the divinehand.com forward slash gift. It's delivered via email. And you know what's cool? It always fits. So if you're looking for a last minute gift, if you're looking for a gift that no muss, no fuss, no messing with the crowds at the mall or the store, just head over to thedivinehand.com forward slash gift and grab a gift certificate for your loved one today.
0: Always in stock and never out of style. That's James Divine. Hey, bell fans, join our Patreon for just $13 a month to gain access to extended episode comments, episode outtakes, behind the scenes and bonus content, magical making tips, monthly polls to influence future topics and guests. And interact with your fellow patrons. Plus, you'll be supporting one of your favorite podcasts. Join today to gain access to our entire post history. Visit patreon.com forward slash lantern to learn more and sign up. Jim and I look forward to seeing you there. And we're back
2: with Lilith Dorsey and her amazing book, Water magic. We were talking about the different types of water, the water that we experience in New York, the water we experience in New Orleans with the Mississippi River, and the water we experience in Seattle. Katie was mm-hmm. just in a pretty remarkable event that was all over the news. It just so happened she was visiting her parents in Southwest Florida and was in almost the heart of Hurricane Ian. And on page 100, you talk about types of water, (laughs) dew water, glacier water, lake water, snow water, rainwater, pond water, spring water. And of course, the third one down is hurricane hurricane water. water. (laughs) So let's talk about the different ways people can craft with water, especially water and where it comes from. So can you speak to this idea?
1: Yeah, sure. Of course. I've been in a couple of hurricanes. Those are different down south too. I used to live in New England for a long time. Not the same type of hurricane as Mm. being in Florida or Louisiana or any like the Gulf. No, not the same. For me, the hurricane is that kind of intense, strong change. So when you're trying to get that change, blockbuster is really what I would call it. Like you're trying to break a situation, you're trying to change and transform a situation and start again from the beginning. That's what I would use the hurricane water for. And in the same way that we were talking before, you could use it as part of a floor wash. I like to do Mm. a lot of putting stuff in spray bottles. So like I will put my essential oils with my magic water in the spray bottle and then just carry it with me. I can spray it under my desk at work. I can spray my hands and my feet so that everything I touch will change the world around me that I'm gonna be drawn to something different. And that would work for any of the waters really you can use in that way. But hurricane is for the most extreme change And uh, I really like that, just having it. Better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. Every time I go out after the hurricane, I'll be cleaning up and I'll be like, hey, wait a minute, I got to save some of this water that was collected somewhere in this bowl Mm. or this cup or whatever, and make sure I put that away in case I need it later, in case... Either me or one of my students or my friends is in a situation that really needs some quick and effective change. So then I would pull that out. But you can use it for whatever you want to. I like putting limits really on people's kinds of magic because I feel like everybody has their own kind of thing. I love to take baths, but when I lived in New York City, I actually rented the apartment without seeing the bathroom. And I remember calling the realtor. It took dogs and we had a big dog at that Mm. point. So it was like, oh my gosh, no one's going to rent to us. And they said they would rent to us and they said it would be okay so I didn't see the bathroom I was just so excited and then I called the realtor I was like does it have a bathroom and she's yeah it does and I'm like okay good I'll rent it it's fine let's go and then after I got in no bathtub so for 12 years I didn't have a bathtub so in order to do a spiritual mm-hmm. bath I had to like drag a tote into the shower and like pour stuff on my feet and crunch oh. good thing I'm tiny crunch down in the tote in order to have the bath so oh, you gotta Sometimes want that. Yeah, no, I'm so happy. I have two bathtubs now. I'm so happy I have my bathtub back, but maybe you don't have a bathtub. Maybe all you have is a shower. So how can you make it work for you if you're in the shower? How can you make it work for you if you're traveling? Like I said, that's why I put it in the spray bottle, a couple of ounces. You can even fly with it. I love to get water from wherever I am because Mm -hmm. that sort of embodies the place of wherever I'm traveling to. So if I want to have those memories, if I want to have that beautiful kind of feeling that I had when I was traveling, I can have that back again. Mm -hmm. Since we're talking about water, I was thinking about last Christmas I was in Amsterdam and then I rented one of those houseboats. So Mm -hmm. I'm lying there, smoking weed, looking out the window. The cutest guy ever comes by on a surfboard in shorts he looks like some sort of statuesque god and I was like I'm gonna remember this moment (laughs) I'm just gonna remember this moment when I feel down or low Mm. or sad and I made sure I took some of the water and brought it home with me so now I have that kind of vibe in the water and I can use it in my magic for whatever I want to do.
2: When I teach the elements, I really teach that water, the physical water is a metaphor for the spiritual idea of emotions and empathic ability and compassion. And, Mm -hmm. and we've even seen some of the, I think in that movie, the secret or other things where people will freeze water or they'll put energy or love or different intentions into water and water will sometimes hold those things in the way that it forms crystals or something. It has mm -hmm. an ability to hold our emotions in a very interesting way. Is that something that you think is really an important connection also?
1: Oh, definitely. You're right. There's been lots of scientific studies. Even if they just speak positive things to water, it changes its molecular structure. I feel like if I'm capturing it at that time, I'm having that good vibes or those travel vibes, whatever it is I'm trying to capture in that moment, it'll stay in the water. And the other thing I love about water is you can always make more water because scientifically it always retains the character from the original water. So I could take that tiny bottle of water I got from Amsterdam add a bunch of tap water to it. It'll literally like, if you break it down show exactly where it came from. It just layers on top of itself. And I love that property because I can't think of anything else that really does that. It's diluted, but it's more, it's like geometrically improved.
2: One drop of Amsterdam will make the entire gallon of water into Amsterdam water yes yeah mm. exactly and mm-hmm. you'll have that whole vibe in an entire gallon of
1: water yeah yeah, yeah. and I've had yeah. people over the years tell me oh they have water from Greece Flint, Ireland or they have water from some other sacred site and I was just like you can make more water you don't have to be sitting there like praying it doesn't evaporate you can top <laughs> it up and have more of that water you yes. know and I just think that's so beautiful.
0: One topic that was in your book was divination, using various waters to divine. I'm curious, what works best for you? What are your go-to divination techniques when it comes to water?
1: I'm always somebody who needs something. I'm not one of these people that's really i don't know it doesn't matter how many psychedelics i eat either i just don't hallucinate you know what i mean so i could sit there and try and scry until the day is long and nothing's really going to happen sometimes i might get something auditory or if i'm writing or doing automatic writing i might get it but just seeing it just Mm. doesn't work for me i'm much more likely to use water crystals for my pendulum or to use the water cards in the tarot to do a divination. Mm -hmm. The moon card is really good for that. Just like walking into it and seeing what's on the other side, spiritually and emotionally and everything like that. Because a lot of times when somebody has a question or a reading or a situation that they're trying to find it is something that's hidden. It is something that's emotional. It is something that's beyond our grasp. So using that as a way for me to move forward. And I will use the magical waters in conjunction with my cards or with my pendulum or something like my dowsing rods, literally like for looking for water, but (laughs) those work better for me than just sitting there and scrying. Although I haven't tried that. I talk in the book about that special black water. That's like charcoal or whatnot. Mm. I haven't tried that yet, but Maybe that works for some people. Your go-to is tarot.
2: Is that your home divinatory practice?
1: Yeah. Although I've, I've been a professional reader now for what? Over 30 years. So there's certainly times where, especially when I was starting out, that I would Not have my cards with me, and Priestess Miriam does a geomancy system with stones and bones and roots and things like that. So, I've certainly read that way. We could talk about palmistry, I've certainly read palms, but usually it's at an event. I'm like, Five dollar hand job, yes, indeed. (laughs) Same thing, attention, five dollar hand job. (laughs) Come on over. I like the depth that tarot gives me. I like that I can expand and expand upon it. And then, if I have a yes, no, because I think. Everybody should have a good yes, no. I'll pull out the pendulum or the dowsing rod.
2: Do you use wooden dowsing rods or do you use the copper ones? I use the copper
1: ones. What (laughs) is the difference? Just depends on the vibe. Yeah, I think so. Copper's always worked better for me, just Mm. in general. I like it as a metal. And I stole my copper rods from my mom. I replaced hers with some brass ones that she doesn't really like, but she ain't getting hers back. I never used them. (laughs) She won't know the difference. (laughs) It's what works best for you, especially when you're talking about a divination tool that is going to move. You know what Mm. I mean? If I pick up those rods, I don't have them with me right now, but they'll, they'll go nuts. I don't even have to do anything. I just hold them and it looks like somebody's spinning them an insane amount. Same deal with the pendulum. So I think that certain things are going to resonate with people better. Like I said, I don't want to narrow people into one kind of thing. I know people who do yes, no's with pennies. I know people who do yes, no's with cards. So I think there's a lot of different ways, but I always seem to be mostly tarot. If there's mm. a
2: reading. Limbs and dowsing Rods never really worked for me, but my husband, he <laughs> loves them. Wait. It's fun to see how different people have different things that work for
0: them. In that vein, could you tell us a story about a magical, memorable experience that you may have had, whether it was divining or working with water or whatever? Oh my gosh, I got a lot of stories. Tell us one. We have our popcorn. Yeah. Tell us a story.
1: Oh, okay. A magical story. There's a few that I talk about in the book. It was funny because I actually just saw this mofo the other day. He came to visit for Halloween. Mm. But I remember having a relationship. Oh, I'm going to go to the river. I'm going to leave an offering for this relationship. I'm going to leave roses and all these other things. And it's going to be beautiful. And I get to the river right near his house and I go to put it down. And there's a bunch of dead fish. And honestly, (laughs) Uh if that wasn't an answer from the universe, I don't know (laughs) what. I have a lot of cautionary tales, too. One of my favorite stories, which I don't think I've written about anywhere, is I had a client, and I don't do this anymore, but I had a client that wanted to win the lottery. This is when I first started out. She's like, I have to win the lottery, the gas bill, I haven't paid it for three months, I need a couple hundred dollars, I have to win the lottery. So we didn't do divination, we just did some working for her to win the lottery, and she won the lottery, and then the next day her husband died. (gasps) And I don't think it was because she'd won the lottery, but I think her focus was off. And ever Mm. since then, I require people to do divination before I do any work for them, because you think your problem is this $300 gas bill. Your real problem is your husband's really sick and he's going to drop dead really soon unless we do something. So I think that people's focus can be off a lot. And uh, I very early on made that shift In there from, okay, we're not going to do the work. We're going to do a reading and then we'll figure out what work is best for you. It's like going to a doctor. I don't want to equate it to medicine, but magic is medicine and everybody doesn't need the same prescription. Some medications will be really messed up. My grandfather had an allergy to penicillin and he had to take sulfur. We'd all be dead pretty much if it wasn't for penicillin, but he couldn't take it. That would have killed him. Everybody needs to find out what's exactly going to work for them. And through divination, I can figure that out and then we can move forward. I think that's really been my focus for a long time.
2: I think that's a great tip too, is the role of divination prior to crafting in whatever way is how do we use divination prior to it? I know that sometimes people use divination in nefarious ways to say, oh, you have a curse on you. And now, you know, I to sell you a $500 curse removal, but when it's not done as a con, when it's actually done to say, okay, you want some work done. Let's do diagnostic process and divination and let's discover what's there.
1: Yeah, because it's easy to let, if you have a situation or a problem, it's easy for that to get out of control. And it's ultimately always going to be, what can I do in this situation? And my godmother used to put in for my most highest good. Like Mm -hmm. we used to do divination panels together and she'd be like, it's always for my most highest good. So everybody has their own highest good that they can achieve in that situation. And that's what we're going for. We're not going for, I need this job or I need this relationship or I need this house because you don't know. Maybe that job, that relationship and that house would be really horrible for you. So you need to find out ahead of time exactly what the right thing is for you. And I can bet you that it'll be even better than whatever it was you thought was your thing. That was you were owning that thing and branding it and it was yours forever. No, (laughs) open it up to something bigger.
2: We call that when people have a lust for results and mm-hmm. blind them to the bigger picture. Maybe we got it from Star Wars. The more you tighten your grip, <laughs> that's right.
0: Like you that. can't grab on to water, you just have to float. That's true. Definitely. I'm glad you brought that up, Star Wars. I do a lot of sci fi magic
1: because that's my oh, other degree.
0: What does that mean? Wait, what does that studies. mean? What does that mean? Sci
2: fi magic. magic? All right, I, I, let's tell talk me about more that. Dish.
1: I do a workshop about it. I do a workshop about how we can see in science fiction so much of these archetypes mm-hmm. from young, and we can align ourselves through that magically. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, it's obviously the hero and the villain and all of these things and that in a way also equates to the tarot journey, you know what I mean? We each have these stages that we're going through. But there's also... And we find this with Gene Roddenberry and so much of the early sci-fi masters that there were things that they couldn't say in the mainstream media that they could only say through the genre of sci-fi and fantasy. So I think that, again, allowed them to have this sort of magical truths, religious truths that they wouldn't be allowed to put out there otherwise if it wasn't for this sort of little vehicle that was another world, but it was really us. It's the same way I describe people's Mardi Gras costumes. People are really who they want to be for Mardi Gras or for Halloween. That's their secret selves, and they let it out at that moment. So it's like we can, through the sci-fi or fantasy, we can let these things out. And it shows us in a lot ways who we really are
0: yes i have thought about this so often lately it feels like every book i'm reading like sci-fi just for fun kind of a thing fantasy whatever i'm like who is this person writing it and what do they really know and why are they feeling like they need to hide it in all of this like story context And maybe it's they don't even know, like it's just downloading and it's a creative imagination and they're just writing stories. Or maybe some of these people are magical practitioners who just, like you said, aren't comfortable enough with coming out. Mm This is how they can put bits and pieces out into the world without being so serious, even though I'm sure they take it very seriously. Definitely.
1: And if you look back to the origins, it all goes back to Frankenstein. So we've got Mary Shelley. We've got like a feminist created genre. And I Mm. think that's one of the few we can actually point to. I just was always so inspired about how she was exercising her own demons through that text and her own mm. stresses and things of that nature and allowed it to what are we holding on to what are we creating right and are we creating a heaven or are we creating a hell and I think that equates to magic too how many times have we seen people get so wound up in back to lust of result get so wound up in creating this thing and what they create is nothing like what they intended because yeah. it can't be
2: Mm -hmm. Wow. That's such a perfect metaphor for Frankenstein's monster and for so many other things in Mm -hmm. sci-fi when it gets out of control. I also think (laughs) about how many witches, pagans, magical practitioners also write sci-fi or fantasy. You know, if they're writers, Rachel Pollack comes to mind. So many others Mm -hmm. who are also witchy people. If I may use that word broadly, I've always loved sci-fi and I love how it is able to coat truths Mm -hmm. in that chocolate coating to make it easier for us to swallow or absorb. And yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. all over it. Also with my sociology degree, I'm always looking at it with those anthropological eyes And deconstructing, oh, I see what you did there.
1: It's true. And I think it's almost, we could bang, flip it and reverse it. Like we wouldn't have ended up in those disciplines if we weren't really trying to figure out how humans interact and how they function. And Mm. then we get in there and we get more tools to look at how they interact and how they function and how it goes. So it just spirals around on itself in
0: a nice way. This has been extremely awesome. One thing we do have that's pretty exciting is we have a complimentary copy that we got from Llewellyn of your amazing book, Water Magic, which we are going to do a contest for. So go ahead and follow our Nittaspel Instagram or our newsletter on Nittaspel.com and you'll get all the information on how you can enter for a chance to win a copy of Water Magic for yourself. So- You will love it. Must for any Person who needs reference for water or just magic in general. The whole series was actually really wonderful. And, and I have for...
1: free stickers for everybody. So if anybody wants to email me, voodoo
0: universe at yahoo.com, I've got free water magic stickers and stickers for all my books, really. We'll put the <laughs> contact information in our show notes so that it's easy for you guys to reach out to Lilith. So hey, you
2: definitely go to Lilith's website. Again, it's in our show notes, com, and check out all of your offerings. So you do readings for people?
1: Is yes, I do readings still? for people. They can contact me through the website. I have the largest voodoo blog in the world, which is called Voodoo Universe. So they can just yes. Google Voodoo Universe and find that. <laughs> do you have a newsletter? What's your
0: social media? How can people follow you? I'm Lilith Dorsey. I'm still on Twitter. I don't know why, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: well, Insta,
0: Facebook. So and I'm Lilith
2: on. Dorsey everywhere. I'm so happy to have you on. This has been mind-blowingly cool hanging out with you is just a joy
0: yes
1: yay thank you so much i can't wait
0: to hang out with you again yay
2: i know in person soon
1: right yes yeah i
0: look forward to that too awesome everybody until next week jim and lilith thank you both so much for joining us and we'll see you next week bye everybody Bye. Bye bye thank you Thanks, for, Thanks listening. for listening. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes and Spotify, or following Knit a Spell on Instagram.
2: You can also subscribe to the Light From Lantern YouTube channel to enjoy full episodes of Knit a Spell and see our happy faces.
0: You can also learn more about readings, classes, and events going on with your favorite maker of magic, James Divine, by visiting thedivinehand.com and subscribing to his newsletter. Then follow Jim's fun and interactive Instagram account at divinehandjim.
2: Keep up with Katie, the magical maker, by subscribing to her newsletter at lightfromlantern.com. You'll receive a free knitting pattern as a thank you gift. Then follow Katie on Instagram at lightfromlantern for even more magical making tips. See you next next week. week.